Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. So Aristotle says that there's three basic kinds of goods on account of which we are friends. One of them is what he calls the noble, or the good in the you know sort of elevated sense. Things that we would consider, we don't talk about nobility, we talk about being honorable, being stand-up, being cool is, is also a term that we use in our contemporary culture for being honorable, being noble. Beautiful, you know, if we talk about moral beauty or things like that, that's also a matter of what we're looking at here. So... What kind of life do you envision for yourself as the life that you want? Do you, do you envision a life where it's just committed to accumulation of more and more wealth, or do you want to do good things with your wealth? Like, you know, I understand wanting to be rich. I'd like to be rich myself. Why do we want to be rich? Sometimes it's just, you know, security, right? If you have a lot of money in the bank, you can weather a lot of storms. But what do you actually want to do with your money? Do you want to make people's lives better? Do you want to bring people together and introduce them to each other and have parties where people get to know each other and come out of it and say, this is, this is such a great experience? That would be something noble, according to Aristotle. If you were rich in ancient Greece, you were expected to contribute to the public good. So you would buy a ship for the Navy, or you would put on a play for somebody. You would engage in some sort of philanthropy, like we talked about before, with generosity and, and magnificence. Those are things that are considered to be noble. Aristotle would say that there's other things that are considered to be noble. When you stand up against fear and you make sure that the right thing, what ought to be, happens, even though it could be damaging to you and you're afraid, that is something noble, isn't it? We tend to look up to people like that. So sometimes we're friends with people on the basis of this, this type of good. And Aristotle says this, this could be an actual good, or it could just be a perceived good. Have you admired some people in your lifetime who didn't turn out to be the genuine article? If they actually were what they seemed to be, what they purported to be, then they really were noble. And then later on you found out they weren't quite so good. Have you had any broken idols like that? I can think of one that I, I never actually really liked myself. A lot of people got behind who got into the news quite a bit recently in the last couple of years. Think about this guy, Lance Armstrong. Why did people look up to him before they found out about the doping and all that stuff? Why did they associate him with, you know, like, good character, ability? They liked his story. What happened to the guy? He had a cancer. Yeah. I mean, even just winning it one time, that's kind of a big deal, right? And then winning it after recovering from cancer, and then after he did that, he established a foundation, and I, I don't even really know what his foundation did. I'm sure it had something to do with cancer, but I never liked the guy myself. I don't know what it was about him. I, every once in a while, I have a sort of irrational, yeah, that, that's probably not as good as it pretends to be kind of cynicism, and I had that about, about him. So I'm kind of happy because I didn't get sucked in and give any money to, to the guy. Being able to compete and succeed, what did that show? Is it just that he's a winner that people like? That he was an underdog, he came back from cancer? What is it that we like about people who succeed? 
what sort of traits do they have to have that we admire in them? Persistence. Yeah, that's, that's really it. Persistence or perseverance. They keep on pushing, pushing, pushing. And why do we like that? Because that is, in fact, something admirable, right? That's something kind of rare to begin with. And we see it and we, we're like, yeah, I kind of I like that. I'd, I'd like to be like that if I could. As it turned out, you know, it was only a perceived good in, in Lance Armstrong's case. It turned out the guy was kind of a scumbag. And not only was he doping this whole time, so all of these victories should have gone to some other guy who didn't get any accolades at all. He actually unjustly robbed somebody else of, of his victory because of his egotism. He lied for years and years about doping and then gave these kind of politicians answers. Well, there's never been any evidence, blah, 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 blah. And then evidence showed up. And then he started talking in this legalese instead of actually apologizing like a real uh, human being would have done. His, his apology sounded like he was a corporation. And, and people were like, what? What happened with this guy? It turned out that he was sort of the opposite of noble. And he was not admirable at all. He was actually sort of at the bottom. So that was a perceived good. But you could still, you know, if you felt something towards him, some sort of admiration, that doesn't mean that your admiration wasn't real. And if you are friends with somebody because, you now you're not friends with Lance Armstrong, unless, you know, some of you have a past I don't know about. If you're friends with somebody because you see in them real nobility of character, and they turn out not to be that way, that doesn't mean that your feelings are invalid. That just means that the good that you based it on was a perceived rather than an actual good. You can still have that with somebody else. If you've had that sort of relationship with somebody, you can have that with somebody else who's actually deserving of that type of relationship. The second kind of good that Aristotle talks about is pleasure. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this a lot. There's lots of different kinds of pleasures, ranging from gourmet coffee. You know, we shelled out and bought something kind of new, and it tastes almost like flan, which is good because I like dessert, to the music that you have on your, your iPod or your phone. That's that's pleasant as well. Also, there you could have some sort of weird fetish about Post-it notes, I suppose. Make a decorative thing that could be pleasant. Some people like drawing on, you know, on the chalkboard with chalk. There's all sorts of things that we find pleasant, all sorts of things that we find unpleasant as well. And what about friends? Are there some people who you're friends with just because you enjoy their company? Yeah, and that's okay. Not every friendship has to be the highest, most complete form of friendship where you know that person inside and out and admire every trait of their character and they admire every trait of your character and you're spending your time reveling in your own moral goodness and volunteering at the soup kitchen together and going on the whole list, right? They don't all have to be like that. As a matter of fact, it's pretty rare that you have friendships that are totally at this level. A lot of times we're friends with people because we like them. We enjoy hanging out with them. What are things that could make us like somebody that way? If they're funny, right? Do we like funny people when we're not the butts of the jokes? Some people even like to be made fun of, believe it or not. And uh, if you get a you know person who's good at making jokes and the other person loves being the butt of jokes, I suppose they'd have a good, pleasant friendship. What else do we find pleasant with friends? We brought up hanging out. What is that like? That's definitely not doing something useful, right? Where you're, you're going to like get tickets out of them or you know a job. You, you hang out with people because you actually enjoy their company. What, what do you like about your friend's company? It's just a great way to pass the time. Mm. Better than doing it by yourself, right? 
When you guys hang out with your friends, this is something to think about. What pleasant activities do you engage in? Is it talking? Is it watching TV together? That's that's enjoying something, right? Commenting on it, you know, making jokes about the, the people on the TV. What else do we enjoy doing together? Partying. Yeah, people like drinking together. Well, they do all sorts of other things too, right? Some of that can get quite out of hand. But there's a reason why bars exist. If you were a totally rational individual and didn't need sort of the gregariousness of company, then you wouldn't actually be totally rational either from a Aristotelian perspective. But let's say you, you were just thought it out yourself. You go out to a bar, how much does a drink cost on average? Let's say you tap beer around here for a pint. Four bucks? Five bucks? Now, think about this rationally. Wouldn't it be just as easy to sit in your dorm room or your house or even, you know, so long as it's parked and your you know, keys aren't in it, in your car, and go to the liquor store or, you know, the grocery store and buy yourself a six-pack and maybe, like, even invest in a, a pint glass. If you really like having a pint glass in your hand and just pour it for yourself. If you like Guinness, for example, right? You get a six-pack of Guinness for as cheap as, you know, $8.99 or something like that. You'd be saving a lot of money, wouldn't you, compared to going out to the bar? Is it sitting in the stool that you really like? Well, you could sit in a stool at home, too, couldn't you? I mean, you could go down the list of this. You see where I'm going. What is it that people like about going to bars? Other people. Company. Hanging out. It doesn't even have to be like engaging in deep conversations. It can just be sitting next to somebody else quietly who you know. Do you guys remember, it's a very long time, do you remember that show Cheers? The song was kind of famous. Everybody knows your name. They're always glad you came. That is a set of friendships that are based on pleasure. Sexual relationships are, hopefully, matters of pleasure. When you sleep with somebody, if you're both having a good time, you're actually enjoying each other, right? So there's lots of ways. It could be companionship. It could be engaging in, in sports together. It could be sexual or romantic relationships. It could be working on models together. There's all sorts of things that people do that are matters of the pleasant. These are not necessarily life-changing events. You know, every time that you go out to the bar or you go to the coffee shop with your friend, you're not like suddenly becoming this noble human being and knowing your friend inside and out for who they are, are you? If your life is like that, you need to start writing it down because that would make a great movie or a great TV show or something along those lines. So pleasure is something that's legitimate. The third kind of friendship Aristotle talks about is based on the useful good, what we sometimes call the profitable, the useful. And this is where you're friends with somebody, not on the basis of who they are and you know actually loving them for who they are nor because you actually enjoy their company or getting something pleasant from them, but because you're getting something else from them. And we might be tempted to say, well, you're not really friends with that person at all. You're only apparently friends because you're using them. But let's think for a moment of all the sort of things that people who are friendly towards each other, at least for a while, do in fact engage with each other to get. Have you ever been friends with somebody so that they could help you out of school? That would be this kind of example, right? What else? A lot of times, rich kids have lots of friends, don't they? Why? They pay for everything. Exactly. They'll have the parties, they'll take people skiing, they'll pay for the meals, pay for the drinks. Now, if those kids quit doing that, how long would the relationship go on? It would probably wouldn't go on in a lot of cases, unless you actually like the person because they're enjoyable or you like them for their own sake. 
How else do people use each other? Think about business contacts. You guys need business contacts, don't you? How many of you have done internships so far? Only a few? How many of you are going to do an internship this summer? Or before you graduate, at least? Everybody? I hope so. When you get involved with people through internships, are you going to keep their contact information? You better. And you better every once in a while say, hey, I'm still alive. Don't forget about me. And you're doing that because they are a useful contact, right? They may help you to get a job. Or they may hook you up with somebody else who can hook you up with a job. Or a business opportunity. Or an opportunity for study. Or who knows what else. That's important. That's a vital part of life. Aristotle recognizes that. He sees that as a good. It's just not the same kind of good as, as these goods. What else do we use each other for? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, information. There are some people who you might be friends with because you supply them with certain information and they supply you with certain information. I suppose the studying with a classmate would be sort of an apprenticeship in that. But there will be, yeah, I, I know that I have a friend, for example, who I'm friends with actually for these other reasons. But I also enjoy our conversations because... I get a lot of useful information about um, what's going on with artificial intelligence and how to apply computing to parsing language. These are things that I'm interested in. I have other friends that I'm in contact with in part because they stay on top of other things that I'm interested in. And you probably have things like, like that as well, right? Conceivably, you could be friends with somebody and stay friends with them because they know what's going on with everybody in your old social circles, like your high school circles. And you find that information useful, right? Aristotle's not saying that any of these are bad. As a matter of fact, all of these are good. But there is a order. This is the best. This is better. This is merely good. And if you have to sacrifice one to the other, you would probably want to sacrifice this to this, or this to this, not the other way around. Now... What else can we say about these different kinds of friendship? Well, which friendships are going to be the most lasting? Friendship. Yeah, and why? Because they have more meaning than everything else. Everything else is kind of like superficial. Yeah, more superficial. Yeah, um, I, I mean, you know, if, if somebody, you're friends with somebody because they can actually get you a job, we tend to look at that as being superficial, but jobs are important. You're going to provide for your family with, with that. But yeah, you're right. There's a greater meaning. And notice, too, Aristotle says something else. With this kind of friendship, we are friends with the person. We feel the way that we do towards them. We feel that goodwill towards them. We love them, in, in some sense, for their own sake, for who they are. In these cases, we love them for what it is that they can give us. We're not really loving them for who they are in their personality. There are aspects of their personality when it comes to the pleasure thing, like if somebody's a good joker, or you like the fact that they always have the right <laughs> or something along those lines. That is more rooted in their personality than just usefulness. You know, usefulness is like being in the right place at the right time, being able to hook somebody up with this. But it's not yet really liking the person for their own sake. So that's a key element. These friendships tend to be more stable than these friendships as well, in part because if you like somebody for who they are, that should stay more or less the same. It turns out that you were wrong about it. Let's say you actually were friends with Lance Armstrong, and he had you fooled too, and you found out, no, he was doping all this time, and he actually used you to you know, help tell his story. 
you'd feel betrayed, wouldn't you? And that, that friendship that you thought was based on who the person really was would break up. And a lot of times we think when we're involved in romantic relationships that we're actually having this kind of relationship, when in reality we're having this kind of relationship. These kind of relationships break up pretty easily because as soon as somebody stops being pleasant, then the reason for the friendship is going away. You might actually be a you know a nice person and say, well, maybe they'll come back, or you know they were good to me at one time, so I should stay friends with them. But you'll find in, in life that unless you are a saint, that's not very effective. That a lot of times when the pleasure goes away, the friendship will break up. Usefulness is even less stable. Why? Because if you form a friendship on the basis of usefulness to each other, as soon as that usefulness goes away, you're done. So think about business associates who go out to lunch together. Do they need to go out to lunch together after all of their possible business deals are done and they're no longer of any use to each other? If they don't already like each other because they enjoy each other's company or really like the person for who they are, are they going to keep going to lunch together? No. And Aristotle says that's okay. That's that kind of friendship. Now, notice one other thing that he says, too, and then we'll talk a little bit more about friendships of utility. If you have this kind of friendship, you also have this kind of friendship. Are people who are pleasant for each other, who give each other pleasure, are they also useful to the other person? You like pleasure, don't you? That person is therefore useful to you, aren't they? And very often, we will, in fact extend ourselves and do favors for people who we enjoy hanging out with, being in the same company with. We're more liable to do that than somebody off the street. Here would be an example. It's usually a bad idea to lend friends money. Have you guys learned this lesson yet? Let's <laughs> see if you recognize uh, facial recognitions of that. It's a bad idea because then you're placed in this debtor-creditor relationship, which is a little bit different, and it's no fun to have to ask your friends for the money that they owe you. If they're a good person, they'll pay you back right away. But a lot of times you find out that people aren't good people when you loan them money, and then they don't pay you back. You're better off, and not just money, two books also. If you're going to give a friend something, just give it to them. And then don't worry about whether you're going to get back, because then it's a lot less hassle. But if you find somebody pleasant, if you enjoy their company, are you more likely to do something like that? Are you, are you more likely to give them a loan when they need it? Are you more likely to give them a gift when it would help them out? Yeah, because you already feel good towards them, right? So the pleasant friendship includes the useful friendship, Aristotle says. Now, what about this, this highest form of friendship? where you know who the person is, you like the kind of person that they are. Remember, you also share common desires, share joys and sorrows, do activities together. Are they going to be pleasant? Or is this sort of like, well, I'll put up with the sacrifice for the sake of the noble good. I, you know, I have to be friends with this person because they're really a good person. I don't like hanging out with them. They irritate me. I get no pleasure in their company, but yet I'm going to spend lots of time with them and commiserate with them because they're such a good person. Does that make sense? No? If you were like a certain conscient, I suppose you could do that sort of thing, but not too many people are. No, generally if you like the other person's character, you enjoy being with them. That's how you can tell that you have good character, that you actually like being with other people who have good character. They don't make you feel bad 
because you look at them and you're like, yeah, they're, they're pretty good people and I'm, I'm not a good person. I feel kind of ashamed. They don't make you feel like that. They actually make you feel kind of happy. It's enjoyable to be with them. And they probably should also be willing to, to share with you the things that are not all about good character. They, they play, you know, pickup games with you. They hang out with you. Um, what else do we have? They eat with you. Those, those sorts of things. What about usefulness? Are friends who have good character going to also be useful for each other? What do you think? Will they extend themselves to open doors for somebody who they, they also recognize to have good character? If they don't, there's something really wrong with them. <laughs> they don't actually have good character. Part of what it means to have good character is to try to promote other people's good, isn't it? And if I have good character and you have good character and I can write a good letter of recommendation for you, you think I would actually say, well, no, we only have this kind of relationship. It's all about your moral mobility and my moral mobility. I'm not going to actually do anything useful for you. You'd look at me like I was nuts, wouldn't you? Wait a second. If you actually like me, you think I'm a good person. What, you're not going to write a letter of recommendation for me or make a contact for me? I'm the person you should actually be doing that for the most. Actually, when I write letters of recommendation, I tend to put in quite a few things about the person's character if I do know anything about their character. You know, like uh, traits like perseverance. I particularly like that. It makes sense that the, this would actually encompass all of these other things. Now, here's a little capstone question to bring this all together. Can a bad person be a good friend in any of these senses? Not just a morally neutral person, a person who actually has vices. Well, you're not going to like them for their character, right? So they're definitely not going to have this kind of thing. But what about pleasure or usefulness? Yeah. They could be useful to a certain set of skills that you want Aristotle thinks that they could have these, but a bad person is going to be less reliable. They may actually you know, be able to give you pleasure. Think about this. Can you have a good sexual relationship with somebody who's a fundamentally bad person? It can happen, but you better really watch everything outside of the bedroom so they don't steal your wallet or uh, sleep with your friends or denounce you to the government or pick, you know, pick whatever bad things that, that somebody might be prone to do. Take all your credit cards. Hack into your phone. You know? They're less likely to be really pleasant or to remain pleasant. And you've got to watch them all the time. What about usefulness? Bad person, they're only going to be interested in you insofar as you can give them one of these two things. And if you quit being useful to them, they're going to quit being useful to you really, really quick. As a matter of fact, because they're a bad person, they may in fact quit being useful to you long before you quit being useful to them. They tend to be the kind of people that we call free riders. Have you heard this term before, the free rider problem? If most people are generally following the rules and being good, you'll have some people who say, well, if I do something bad, it's not going to you know, knock the whole system down, so I'll do it and then I'll, I'll get away with it. It came from riding the subway, which is what the honor system not everybody would be checked all the time. Some people would ride for free. We, have, we used to actually do this in, in Germany. We call it the, uh, the Freibahn. If you got, you know, as opposed to the U-Bahn. If you got caught, there was a fine. But odds are you probably weren't going to get caught. So I knew people would do it all the time. Those people would not be good friends. If somebody is going to do that, do you want to have a relationship for, with them that's based solely on usefulness, that you don't have like some sort of contract to enforce? Probably not. 
So the character of the person matters not only for, for the high end, but also for the low end. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works. <laughs>